Dr. Dale on Quail, bringing you the latest news and views about all things quail in Texas. Brought to you by the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, preserving the wild quail hunting heritage of Texas for this and future generations. Major support for this podcast comes from Gordian Sons Outfitters. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us today for this month's edition of Dr. Dale on Quail. If you're a fan of music and you're a fan of quail, you're in the right spot because today's topic, I think, will be pleasing uh, from a lot of perspectives uh, and one of Dr. Rollins's favorite topics, I think, the music of quail management. Dr. Rollins, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be with you again today, Gary, and we're going to have some fun on this session today. Uh, I've got the music in me. Um, the only thing, I, only instrument I ever played to tell people when I was growing up as a kid was a crow call, but I got pretty good at it. And then, of course, I learned to do my bird whistles. And so uh, some people would look at me and say, well, you're only successful because of those dang bird calls that you do. Well, you got to have a gimmick. Well, take us down that path. Help us learn about some of the things that you kind of consider a national anthem for quail management. There's a lot of song selections out there that have real meaning to you. Well, of course, and I think May's a great time to be talking about national anthems because Memorial Day into this month and, and we all uh, will be listening to the Star Spangled Banner, Banner and the 1812 Overture and all those kind of good uh, patriotic songs. That's right. And so an anthem is, is a song of praise, devotion, or patriotism. And again, while we typically focus on the patriotism, I'm going to give you some songs that are songs of praises for Bob White's and the factors that impact Bob White's. Before I get into my music, I'd like to delve off into my poetry just a little bit. Please do. I, uh, about, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, developed what I call a pledge to broomweed. Now, you've heard me talk about broomweed and how it kind of serves as a golden canopy and a golden parachute for quail, but how it let me down this year. But the pledge to broomweed goes like this. And I could have you recite it, but I guess I'll just go ahead and read through it. I pledge allegiance to common broomweed and to the canopy for which it provides. One canopy over quail, continuous, providing usable space for bobwhites. Think about that a little bit. And again, you'll begin to appreciate broomweed as well. Hand now, over your heart when you say that? I absolutely. Well, I typically have the group with a, we pull up a broomweed and everybody's holding up a broomweed like Statue of Liberty kind of thing. Now that just drives my range management colleagues crazy when I give praise to things like broomweed and prickly pear. That's okay. I'm thinking about quail. They're thinking about cattle or something else. I'm thinking about quail. So just uh, how, did the, how does the Latin phrase go? Is it sum sicke or something like that to each his own? Very good. So uh, the Bob White song, in many ways, is an anthem. And if we're east of I-35, man, if I was down in Alabama and I was sitting on my porch today drinking lemonade and eating apple pie and ice cream, if I heard a Bob White whistle, that'd bring a tear to my heart, a tear to my eyes, because it's a song that, again, is much of the southeastern U.S. is deeply steeped in the heritage and the history of quail hunting and they're crying because they have no wild quail at this time. Our goal with the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation is to not let that happen in West Texas. We're going to serve as the Alamo for West Texas quail conservation, and it ain't going to happen. I used to say, not on my watch. And that was about 10 years ago, and it's been a couple of years that I thought, man, that may have been a bold statement. Maybe I ought to backed off a little bit about that. But I'm confident that we're going to see good times coming back. So. When I uh, started the Bob White Brigade years ago, the very first thing that the kids do is they're 
doing a necropsy, a dissection on a quail. So they've got a cadaver in front of them. And before they start that cadaver, where we can learn about the form and function of the various structures and so forth, I play some music. And uh, I'm going to name off several songs here, and then I'm going to ask you to, and, the, and our listeners to try to discern which one serves as the national anthem for quail management. First one could be Precious Memories, the gospel tune, How They Linger. It could be Live Fast, Love Hard, Die Young, an old fair and young tune. I'm going to talk a little bit about how quail exemplifies some of these things. Could be one of my favorite songs when I was in high school, listening to WLS Radio out of Chicago, because we got it there in Oklahoma. It was by Roberta Flack, Killing Me Softly with his song. Boy, Bob White can do that. Could be a song as popular probably about 1974 by Paul Simon, Slip Sliding Away. Or in the disco era of the Bee Gees. Now we're talking. Staying alive, staying alive. Boop, boop. They say that's the tune you're supposed to have in your mind if you're doing CPR. That's true. That's the beat that you you need to work with. Well, we hope Quail are listening. And then uh, Carly Simon, again, most of these come from the 70s. Anticipation, anticipation. That's right. We just finished with the poor quail year. Now we're already beginning to pull out an old shotgun shell and sniff of it and recall those times that were better. So we're going into the anticipation phase for the next quail season. Or the last one, it could be Freebird by Leonard Skinner. That's a good one. So the winner is Freebird by Leonard Skinner. And uh, the lyrics here, if you, if you th- I always, a lot of people, this, this again, a 70s rock and roll, and a lot of you are either too young or too old. If you're too young, you've heard Freebird. No doubt. And probably from the movie Forrest Gump, which I reference quite often. And Jenny was standing on the ledge, contemplating taking her life. The music that was blaring in the background was Freebird, the lyrics of which, and this bird you cannot change. And that sets the foundation, that sets the tone for everything we do with quail management because we can't change that bird. That bird's been out there for tens of thousands of years. We have to think that it is the very best bird for our particular area because it's been selected over time through all the pressures and so forth that it's had to endure. So it's the best one we could possibly do. A lot of times, again, my career was in the agricultural extension, Texas uh, AgriLife Extension. And right, in fact, uh, today we're recording these podcasts near the Mills County Extension Agency. We are. And I guarantee you, if we walk down there in his office, he's going to have some little fact sheets that talk about crossbreeding cattle. No doubt. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with that, in Texas, you've got your traditional breeds like Herefords and Angus. And then if you go further south, you begin to get into the Brahmin influence, Bremer we might call it. And so they'll crossbreed a Hereford cow with a Brahma bull to get some of that exotic influence in it for two reasons, really. One is it gives it better ability to tolerate the heat in South Texas. And the other one is it hustles better. It's going to get out there and forage in hotter and tougher conditions and eat a wider variety of plants than what that Hereford cow is going to do kind of thing. So the question would arise, well, why don't you do that with quail? I mean, we're living in the, we're living in the generation of cell culture and cloning and all these good things. And some of my colleagues down at uh, 
College Station, you know, 15 years ago made headlines by cloning a sheep. Dolly. Dolly. And I'm thinking, there's been a quail documented in Iowa as raising four broods of birds and y'all are cloning sheep. Why don't you clone quail? <laughs> you know, I often say that a quail's life is dictated by the threat of predation. And why couldn't we develop a quail with canine teeth about, you know, about two inches long, look like a saber-toothed quail, if you will. Why can't we manipulate that critter? Well, we can't. It's just, we're not to that level. So again, you can't change the bird, so you gotta change the habitat to fit the bird's need. Hence the whole idea that free bird is indeed the uh, national anthem. You might think, um, again, why would you want to change the quail? Well, think about quail for a minute. What kind of trees do quail nest in? They don't nest in trees. They don't nest in trees. I've learned something over the last Poor, year. Poor dumb birds. If they'd, take a, if they'd nest 40 feet up in a pine tree, they'd be much less susceptible to their various enemies. Yes. But they spend every night of their life on the ground. Poor dumb critters. You know, why, don't, why, don't we, why can't we change that? Again, we can't. So we're stuck with that. We've got uh, to recognize those, uh, those uh, faults, if not faults, but those uh, lack of adaptations in that sense. And we've got, to, uh, we've got to address those with our management. So now that we've talked about some of the songs you thought could apply to quail, which ones do? We know Freebird is the national anthem, but there's other ways they connect too. Every one of those songs listed have some implications or some relevance to quail management. At an educational program, I'll often ask people to begin to list what's happened to the quail. If we're trying to dissect this thing we call quail decline, what's, what's causing it? Parasites, we talked about those. Uh, weather, we've talked about predators. We haven't talked that much about habitat loss or conversion, but boy, that's a big issue as we move, uh, move west all the way to the Atlantic seaboard. Um, all of those, I mean, I could list 20 different factors that are impacting quail decline. And I could make a case for all of them. Fire ants being a classic. No, yep, on the list. So I can take any of those and, and say, this is important. I don't know if it's the most important. And again, that's what's difficult is trying to uh, identify what the, the real issues and where would you spend your first dollar kind of thing. But I want to go back over that list of songs that we mentioned a while ago and just talk about it just a minute. That Fair and Young song, Live Fast, Love Hard, Die Young. What's the rest of that? and leave a beautiful memory. That's right. So quail, again, are highly susceptible to the various things, predators. Every time they're whistling, hey baby, they're not only telling the hens where they're at, they're telling all their enemies that here I am. So I always tell people that raising a family is a hazardous situation for a quail. As parents, we can also relate to that Yes, we too. can. Uh, Killing Me Softly With His Song, Roberta Flack. Yes. I'm in my life with, I forget the exact lyrics, but Killing Me Softly with his song. That's right. And again, the, the, uh, the Bob White's plaintive uh, melody, and again, it's, it's just like lemonade, apple pie to those of us from the southeastern half of the United States. Uh, it brings a tear to our eye, just like that national anthem does when those F-14s or whatever fly over at a parade kind of thing. Slip sliding away, the Paul Simon one. Slip sliding away. And boy, if we look at the trajectory of our quail or our quail hunters, if we were in a Cessna 172, we'd be very concerned about our trajectory. If we're further east of Texas, their trajectory looks like this. 
our, difficult to uh, relay this on a podcast, but they're, they're on a crash course. Yes. We've got a little bit more altitude. Our trajectory is still downward, but given our slower rate of decline, we have more opportunities, more time to address the situation and hopefully pull out of that steep curve. Life in the fast lane. We didn't, I don't know if we covered this while I go by the Eagles, one of my favorite groups. It is. Life it is. in the fast lane, guaranteed to blow your mind. That's right. Quail live in the fast lane. And they don't adapt very well to the fast lane. And I got to interject one other song right here, Gary. Uh, and it, this was a um, this was a one-hit wonder for a guy named Luden Wainwright III back about 1972. Have I given you enough clues? No, yet? I'm not there yet. Dead skunk in the middle of the road. <laughs> Life in the fast lane wasn't very kind of those skunks. And you can observe all across uh, West Texas wherever you go the, the various roadkill. Quail, quail have had a hard time adapting to more urban settings. Now there are some quail, the Gambles quail, the California quail out in the mm-hmm. Southwest, they've adapted to urban settings, suburban settings fairly well, doing pretty good. Our Bob Whites, if you've seen the, the map of Texas or the image of the world at night and where all the lights are at, mm-hmm. you've seen that, most people have, you can pick out I-35 very easily. You can see Dallas, Fort Worth, sure. you can see Austin, you can see, uh, Houston. I challenge people as they look at that, I say, show me Roby, Texas. Show me Hebronville, Texas. Well, we can't see them, they're dark spots. But what's the patternology there? Quail must like dark spots. So as we see ever increasing urbanization, urban sprawl, population growth, energy development, we have more and more lights. Now it's not the lights per se, that's just an indication that there's more and more people more and more demands on the land, quail are probably going to suffer from that. Anticipation by Carly Simon. Again, uh, we've, got, we've just come out of a poor quail hunting year, but starting about July, we begin to get away from the recollection phase and we get into the anticipation phase. And then come September 1, we'll go into the participation phase when we go dove hunting. But that anticipation all I got to do is just hear that quail whistle a couple of times. All I have to do is look at my dogs, and they look at me saying, you poor, dumb son of a gun. We could be out hunting today. Instead, you're going off to record podcasts. That's true. Or whatever kind of thing. That's true. So putting priorities on, our, uh, on our, our situation. And then staying alive by the Bee Gees and the whole disco era. Apparently, you, That's you, me. you must have had a leisure suit, Gary. Lime green. <laughs> I'd like to see that. But uh, that's the task of, of the quail, is staying alive, staying alive. And again, it's, they sing it all day long, I guess, because you never get to rest if you're a quail. Somebody always got their eye on Now, to my eye, this looks like the Gerald Stewart playlist at a brigade's camp. That's pretty well. You know, our good friend, uh, mutual friend, Gerald Stewart, and that's, we did, when we talked about the Bob Wild Brigade a couple months ago, we didn't uh, reference that uh, inspirational music. But we live on rock and roll music, and Gerald's our DJ, and... Uh, a vital element of the success of that camp. But uh, yeah, I've got a soundtrack for quail managers. This doesn't even begin to touch it. I've got about, I think about 600 songs on my iPhone, on my iTunes list. And I bet you I can take 200 of those and say that relates to quail. Amazing. I'm guilty. I think about quail all the time. I tell people I may not be the smartest guy in the quail world, but I'm the biggest student of quail because I'm always thinking about quail.
Well, you've listened to music, you've been inspired, you're now heading out to look at the habitat to see what you can do to improve those conditions for that dumb bird that seems to be fighting an uphill climb uh, to uh, live and maintain populations in parts of Texas. Tell us about some techniques uh, to help us evaluate habitat and to see if we've got what it takes to help well, that quail. First of all, we got to picture ourselves as being at the uh, Astros game or the the uh, Rangers game. What's the song we're playing? Take me out to the ball That's right. game. So about 15 or 20 years ago, I came up with this analogy between playing slow pitch softball and quail habitat that I have fleshed out as what I call SHET, S-H-E-T, Softball Habitat Evaluation Technique. Be very careful with your enunciation as you're talking to your preacher about this. But everybody's played slow pitch softball and right. there's so many similarities between softball and the softball field and what good quail habitat should look like. I'll give you just a couple. How many players are there on a softball team? Uh, ten. Ten. There's that extra outfielder. Correct. Very good, Gary. Most people say nine. But there's ten out there. Everywhere one of those defensive players is, we ought to have a quail house. We ought to have something like a loke bush or a plum thicket. That gives you a mental image of what that landscape should look like for quail. It's cowboy approved. I once had a cowboy back six, seven, eight years ago. He said, until you showed us that softball technique, I never really appreciated what the boss was wanting me to do. But now that I've got that mental image, I can see what quail habitat should look like. Very good. So uh, that, that, that's a handy tool. And you've got a webisode that talks about that's right. that technique. That's right. Uh, and I would uh, highly encourage you to take a look at that one. Go back to the brigades, Bob White Brigades, a while ago that we talked about several months ago. Our motto is, tell me and I forget, show me and I remember, involve me and I understand. Now take that softball. I've told you about it. And in a quail master's class or the Bob White Brigade, we'll take those kids out there and they have to use that softball to illustrate a quail. Why does it illustrate a quail? Because every time it's in the air, somebody's trying to catch it or whack it. That's the same situation a quail finds itself in. Quail have light colored breast muscle. That's what makes them so good to eat. But it's like having restricted flight if you're a slow pitch softball player. So it's like a blue dot softball. And so again, a quail is not designed to fly half a mile maybe 200 yards kind of thing. That tells us we got to keep every, all of our habitat needs well interspersed, again, to fit the limitations of that Bob White's uh, physiological and anatomical uh, situation. And then, um, and we've mentioned this term uh, in an earlier uh, podcast, plant succession. Right. And I told you that Rollins' rules of plant succession are know your plants and know how to manipulate them. This is a great time to take on the task, uh, being uh, early spring, of saying, I want to be a better student of quail plants. I aspire to be a Ricky Lennox, and uh, our good buddy Ricky Lennox with Natural Resource Conservation Service, one of the best plant identification kind of guys. I always value my time afield with a good botanist, and there are several. But spend some time out there with them, learn what some of those plants are, and you're going to be overwhelmed. Ricky's gonna, he's gonna name off 40 plants and you're gonna say, whoo, well that all went right past me. I remember what sunflower looked like. My assignment to students of quail is to learn one plant per week. Okay. And I'll give you two weeks off at Christmas. That means at the end of a year, you should know 50 plants. If you know 50 plants, you're gonna be the most botanically astute individual that you hang out with. I often, 
challenge, sometimes chastise, the landowners that I've dealt with over the past. We'll be at a field day or whatever, and it's my time to talk, and I'm always harping on know your plants and know how to manipulate them. And I'll challenge them with this question. If the names of plants were words, would you be a silver-tongued orator or a Neanderthal? <laughs> you hear a lot of grunting. Yes. Uh, uh. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's really a shame because the plants are the production facilities for their grazing management or whatever, and most of them can't. They named prickly pear and side oaks grandma the state grass Texas and mesquite, some of the problem species, but they don't recognize the complexity, the diversity of plants that are out there. And if there's one cornerstone of wildlife management, it's plant diversity, increasing plant diversity. So being able to get on a name calling basis with those plants is one of the skills that anybody can do. You may say, I don't have time. I'll tell you what I told people. I coached Little League Baseball for six years. I didn't know much about Little League. I'd played baseball, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about coaching it. I often referred to my team as the Michael Jackson Nine. They wore a glove on their left hand for no apparent reason. Oh, no. <laughs> but the point is that I, I, if I just sit back and think about it, I was too busy to do that. I, had, I was running all across the state of Texas. Coaching at Little League Baseball made me realize that if you really want to do something, you'll find time to do it. So if quail are really important to you, you'll find time to learn those 50 plants. And not only the plants, but the seeds. That's the currency of the quail. And to learn what ambrosia is, that's ragweed. Well, what's, what's ambrosia the Greek term for? Food of the gods. Oh, very so good. I feel like those Greek philosophers must have been quail hunters. Over. Uh, anyway, learning those plants, learning the seeds, being able to recognize those, being able to educate your colleagues. Again, whether that be the landowner or your fellow hunting buddies or whatever, this is just like speaking another language. You know, I don't know when, when you were in college, I had to take a foreign language, took German. Can't remember that much of it. Wie viel ist das Kinderhund in den Fenster? How much is that puppy dog in the window? Kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, it's important to be able to plant, uh, to speak botanically. Yes, and some and great field guides out there. You mentioned Ricky Lennox. Yeah, he has a great field guide. I think I'm going to give... Kudos to Ricky. I think his is the very best one out there. There are some great ones. Ricky's filled an, an empty niche. We didn't really have a good one with the Rolling Plains. Uh, he filled it. It's very affordable. It's like 25 bucks. Uh, kudos to Ricky. But there are a number of other ones depending on where you're at. Uh, get you a couple of those and just begin. You don't have to go through there and learn all those botanical terms. I've had courses that introduced me to those terms, but I don't remember them. I'm a color taxonomist. I know that if this yellow flyer, it looks like that. I may not be able to tell you what the technical term is for the petals and the sepals, but I know that that's uh, narrow leaf pecoon and it produces a white seed for quail. So begin to get interested in those and there's a lot of sagas that can take place if you begin to read the landscape like that. And once you know your plants, Dr. Rollins, then you can begin to think about how to use those other tools of wildlife management. Somebody once told me, I think it's Baron Rector at the Texas A&M University, who was a great botanist and a colleague of mine for many years. He'd say, why do they have numbers on the jerseys for football players? Because when they have numbers, we identify that as Emmett Smith or Roger Staubach. If they don't have numbers, we don't know who they are kind of thing. So we're just, we're just rooting collectively for a team, but we can't recognize individuals out there like, like we can. And that's the same way with plants. Until you can name them, 
you really can't see them. And so that's why I encourage you to become, again, a student of plants and then a student of quail. Predators, always a topic of conversation, always an area of interest for those uh, students of quail, landowners, managers. What can you advise in terms of coping with predators? Well, first of all, recognize the threat. Every living, single, breathing moment of a quail's life from egg to death is dictated by the threat of predation. So uh, some of those, we, again, we've spoken on this on various uh, earlier um, sessions. Some of those we can do something about, others we can't do anything lethally about, so we have to manage indirectly via habitat. But there's a song that relates to this, and it's by the Rolling Stones. Give me shelter, oh. give me shelter. <laughs> so that one, and then I'd, again, at the end of this month, we're gonna be going to various uh, patriotic uh, events and so forth. They have a really big one there in San Angelo. They call the Pops Concert. and There'll be two hours of patriotic music and sometimes a flyover by a B-1 bomber, which really makes you say, wow. But uh, the Star Spangled Banner, oh say can you see. If you can see that quail, that means your cover's probably too light, so you probably want to lighten up on your stocking or re rethink your brush management. And again, you can, you can listen to our various podcasts, the Equal Newsletter, Lots of resources on our website, quailresearch.org, that will begin to uh, get you in the mood, musically inclined. And then you're going to be going down, you're going to be singing your favorite songs. You're going to think, I bet old Rollins would say that that pertains to quail. And I'd probably say amen. Next time we're in a Name That Song contest, I want you on my team. Okay. <laughs> I just, I listen to XM Radio, you know, what a godsend for somebody from West Texas that was always driving. I mean, in the AM era, you'd go through half dozen, you know, different stations, and most of them are pretty heavy on the accordion out of Mexico or whatever. But uh, we made a trip, me and my buddies, to Montana about five or six years ago, 25-hour trip. And so listening to uh, either Willie's Place or um, the classic rock station, Channel right. 26, and I'm always playing the name of that tune. And after about two hours, my colleagues would just turn the station off or turn something else because they were not competitive in the game. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been a student of music all my life. Uh, I'm so thankful that the Bob White has such a melodious and beautiful song, and I always appreciate the opportunity to sing it or listen to it. Thank you, Dr. Rollins. I guess it's my chance to now say uh, the song to end this podcast is Turn Out the Lights, the Party's Over. For this session. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed uh, this month's podcast as much as we have, and we thank you for your interest. Uh, of course, this podcast and other previous month episodes are available at quailresearch.org at the website of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. Uh, we, let us know if there's things we can uh, cover in terms of topics that might interest you. We're happy to look at that, uh, communicate with us, and let us know your interest. Uh, we hope you enjoy the program as much as we enjoy producing it. I'm Gary Joyner with the Texas Farm Bureau. Appreciate your time. See you next time. Support from Gordian Sons Outfitters makes Dr. Dale on Quail possible. Gordian Sons, the finest hunting and fly fishing shop to be found. Find out more at GordianSons.com.